I'm Rebecca Garrett-Pace. I'm Mitchell Boone, and you're listening to The Day After Sunday. A brief but nerdy conversation about yesterday's worship at White Rock United Methodist Church. We talk about what caught our attention, stories we forgot to tell, and ways that we saw the Holy Spirit moving among us. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, Mitchell. How are you feeling? I'm good. Just, yeah? Just, Allergies still bad? Yeah, I guess the cedar blew in. Yeah. I'm but right I'll there take with you. it. I'll take it. It's awesome because it w- was really cool this morning. I know. I wore a jacket on my walk. I was the happiest person in the world. I know. I it's, just come alive when the temperature drops below. It's 85. amazing what uh, what it's some cool weather will do for the mental health. That's true. Yeah. So, um, if you were not able to join us yesterday for our worship, um, we encourage you to check out our Facebook Live video um, to see what we talked about and what we sang, and you can also check out Mitchell's sermon on this podcast channel. Yeah, it's uh, uploaded and ready for your consumption. So, we ended our Redefining Discipleship series on Sunday and our last component. So it's been four components, right? Four quadrants. Our last component was around study. Um, and our text for the morning was actually a text that's focused on prayer. Um, but I got to this place where uh, as I was kind of preparing for the sermon, I really I had a last minute kind of rewrite of um, kind of most of my sermon because I just could not not talk about the Botham Jean case and what's been happening here in Dallas on the ground. Yeah, it's been a really hard week, I think, trying to follow the news. And um, especially, I actually had not heard about the the witness being... About uh, Joshua Brown. Yeah, until you told me on Sunday morning. Yeah, I mean, I imagine most folks know now it was being picked up late on Saturday night by, um, you know, kind of the major media markets. Um, New York Times put out something. CNN put out something. Um, Joshua Brown, the key witness in the uh, Amber Geiger case, um, was gunned down late Friday night in an apartment complex um, in Dallas. And I think what just really... It just kind of broke me for a minute, you know. Yeah. I, the, the lawyer for the uh, Jean family like uh, put out a statement saying that like Joshua, um, you know, they worked with him obviously throughout the trial, and that he was fearful of being a victim of gun violence himself, and that was one of the reasons he was so emotional on the stand. And um, yeah, that news just really, really uh, changed the trajectory of my sermon a little bit, and. Sure. Um, and so we kind of started talking about that and how I think it's really critical uh, for us to admit that sometimes we have some concerns about our prayer life, right? And how um, prayer seems to be uh, a fickle thing. Sometimes it's answered and sometimes it's not. And it's okay for us to feel that way, especially in the midst of a really kind of turbulent world in which we live in. Yeah. And I think, I mean, for me, the transformative power of my own um, prayer life was when I started to realize, and it's a continuous realization, it's right. probably every day I realize it again, um, that it's not God the slot machine, it is God the conversation partner. Right. And so when I, um, when I am able to grasp this, and it's not always easy to do, that it's not just me asking for things. Yes, God, no, God, you know, why God? It's, it's just as much, if not more, listening um, and entering into a conversation where uh, just like a, a good conversation with a friend or a spouse, um, mm-hmm. it's going to have ups and downs. It's not going to be just answering questions. It's also going to mm-hmm. be 
really engaging in dialogue. Right. I, I think I think we should go to God with all of our stuff. Like there's nothing wrong with going to God with like, hey, I really want this to work out or, sure. hey, I really hope that <laughs> in some way you can make uh, a way forward for me through this really difficult situation. Yeah. And But I also – I totally agree. Once we get to a place where we're listening to God um, and it's much more conversational and there's some built-in silence and we're waiting for God to respond um, – uh, our prayer life becomes much richer. And I think this is the kind of, this was the, the you know, the path into why we should take studying and theology seriously is because um, if we see prayer as a communication uh, with God, uh, the way we become the best communicators is by getting to know the people we're trying to communicate with. Right. Right. So um, in marriage counseling or premarital counseling that I do, I tell people like communication is absolutely critical. And the best way we become good communicators is by learning about our, you know, significant other. And I think that there's just something to be said about we will become better communicators with God the more we know God and the more we uh, try to learn about God's nature and how God acts in the world. Right. The better theology we, we develop, the better our prayer life will be. Well, and, you know, if you believe, as I do, that God is present in every part of God's creation, then the way that you get to know God better is to get to know God's creation better, exactly. get to know more people. And that gets to the study quadrant, right? It's right. like, get outside of myself, read a book, meet a person um, that's different than I am. That's not something that I would just you know, naturally cross paths with. And that's how I glimpse God's face from a different angle. Right. You know, and you see something totally different um, when you're not just looking from the same vantage point all the time. Absolutely. And that's why when we have like, you know, this awful situation here in Dallas with uh, Joshua Brown's murder, um, it kind of forces us to put ourselves in a, a different vantage point. Like I was forced on Saturday to think about what it's like to be a black man in America, what it's like to to have the courage to like go testify against a Dallas police officer and, um, and like, I don't know, I just really, that was, that made me really uncomfortable all day Saturday thinking about, you know, his life being ended short and, uh, his own fear around gun violence. And, um, and it really is kind of pu pushing me to kind of rethink, uh, where God is in the midst of all this stuff. And I think that we have to engage the world in such a way that we have very difficult, hard questions for God and for ourselves, um, or we will not develop good theology. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's just not good enough to say, well, like, it was all part of God's plan. Like, I don't think, I, I don't I don't believe I worship a God who, who part of the plan was for Joshua Brown to be gunned down um, at the age he was. Right. Ever. It doesn't matter. I don't think it's part of God's plan for gun violence to exist in the world. Right. Right. But how do we wrestle with that? And um, how do we expand our minds and our worldview to like begin really asking those tough questions? Yeah. And be willing to sit in the unanswered <laughs> right. right. I mean, yes. if, if we're going to, again, circle back to this study component, um, some of the best teachers that I've had were the ones that did not answer all of my questions. Um, some of the best teachers that I've had were the ones that encouraged me to ask different questions or mm -hmm. to sit in the unknowing 
and continue to research um, and continue to push for that uh, that discovery that might be mm-hmm. right around the corner or it might never right. come. Right. No, you're totally right. And I mean, we should ask questions that are almost impossible, if not impossible to answer. Right. Like if we're asking those types of questions, we've kind of gotten to a really good place in our, um, right. our development. If we feel like we understand God, then God is not big enough. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there should always be questions that we ask of ourselves and of God of the world that do not have answers. Right. But how do we, and I ask this of myself and of you and of all of us, you know, how do we um, face the news, something like this that we've been traveling with as a city? You know, it's made national news, but it hits really close to home because it is literally our home um, without just giving into despair, right? How do we continue to hold this tension of being aware, being informed, um, but also believing uh, in the the joy and the hope of each other? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think... Yeah, of course. It makes sense. I think it's challenging in today's world with the 24-7 news cycle, with social media, with the ability to really have news in front of us all the time. Right. And it's not just news, right? I mean, it's no, not no, like no. all of us are just sitting right. in front of C-SPAN getting, you know, just unfiltered <laughs> data. I it's, do love to watch C-SPAN. Well, you're weird. but uh, It's so calming. Is calming? Yeah, it's just like... Uh, Congressional hearing after congressional hearing. Like if I'm going to take a nap, there are like three things that I watch and one's golf. I love watching golf, but uh-huh. I also like to nap to golf. The other is The Office on Netflix. Golf, The Office, and C-SPAN. And C-SPAN. I never thought I would ever hear those three in the same sentence. And the fourth is The Great British Bake Off on Netflix. Well, I do love that one. That is um, – that's like Xanax on television right there. Like <laughs> That's true. Great British Breakoff is fantastic. Sure. So anyway, yes, I I think that um, it's, it's a challenge because we've got everything in front of us all we the do. time. Yeah. And I think that's where we have to build some really healthy boundaries for ourselves. Right. Right. Yeah. And for me, um, ritual is not just something that happens inside of Sunday morning. Ritual, um, another way to say it would be routine, right? I mean, but ritual to me is a little bit more of a life-giving word. Um, cause it's different than, oh, it's just a rut. I wake up every morning and right. the first thing I do is turn on the news. Like when I do that, that is not, um, a healthy choice for me. And I think probably for a lot of us, even if we do it out of habit, what would it look like? You know, and I'm, I'm starting to try to do this. I'm not perfect at it, but, um, instead of just diving headfirst into consuming, consuming news, consuming media, um, is to do something that really connects me with nature or with myself or with God first, um, and just watch how that kind of transforms. Yeah, I think it's it's really, you know, depending on the person, like we should really evaluate how does consuming something make us feel. Right. Um, and that's it, not to say that we, sh- you know, uh, the news makes me feel upset. That does not give right. me an excuse never to watch right, it. Though, totally, right, totally, totally. Yeah. But if we know that the news is going to make us feel anxious or upset, um, you know, when we are – when we're consuming it in the first thing in the morning, then yeah, we probably need to build in a little bit of a buffer so that we're able to really process what's going on. Because ultimately, like developing good theology is consuming the world around us, but also then be having an output, mm-hmm. having it kind of like, how do we develop right. a way to think about God and about our place in the world in light of what's happening? And if all we're doing is consuming, then we never have any space for process and we have right. no ability to really have conversation. And I think part of developing a good theology is finding good conversational partners in the world because we 
typically just naturally move to a place where we kind of create a little mini universe that we're at the center of and anything that really kind of begins to disrupt that, we try to repel it. And I think that for us to develop really good theology, we also need good partners to be um, pushing us to think differently about God, about our neighborhoods, about our communities, about ourselves, about church, about faith. Like, we need that. Right. Yeah, I agree. I think the worst theology is is insular theology, theology that, is, that, that has very, very um, clear boundaries and walls and does not allow for questions, right? Yeah. That's where... Th- the worst theology lives. And that's why I think um, it was so interesting the way that this timing of this worship series worked out that we ended with the study quadrant on um, World Communion Sunday. Right. Because um, I have met people, not that many, but I've met people who are very well informed and also very disconnected. And I've always thought that was an interesting um, pairing that they knew they could they could tell they could name all of the Congress members by first and last name and what state they're from. But um, how it related to how they lived their life, um, they were kind of at a loss. Do you think those people who knew, who knew all, the, all the folks in Congress, do you think they ever engaged with them? I don't know. I don't know. But, I mean, I think that for me, like, it's um, – you can't, you can't really, like you said, have good theology if you know everything but you never process it with a community. Um, yeah, I just – yeah, no. Obviously, I think that's true. I'm just wondering, like, we can also know a whole lot about the world, but if we don't actually engage the world, like if we're not going out of our way to, like, experience it firsthand, uh, whether that's through food or worship or a conversation with someone from a different part of the world, like if we're not actually doing that work, we can know everything. But, but unless we're engaged, we're it's not, it's not really worth anything. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's— um, Maybe you like Jeopardy. Maybe you'd be really good at Jeopardy, <laughs> but like you probably fail to develop a theology that's robust. Sure. Yeah. If we have all the knowledge of the world, but have not love, right? We are <laughs> well, sure. A clanging gong or a crashing cymbal. And no one wants to be a clanging gong. Right. Crashing cymbal could be nice, but. Yeah, totally. I I think that it's been a really great worship series and I'm I'm really looking forward to to seeing how it kind of takes root in our in our congregation. Yeah. Um, it's uh, five weeks. That's a long one for me, you know. So, getting it, we're moving into a brand new series, um, "Shiny Gods," and it's all going to be about stewardship and idolatry, and that'll be, I'm sure, uplifting for everyone. <laughs> yeah, idolatry. I mean, we really, uh, the only one we ever talk about is, oh, you can't worship God and money. But uh, thinking about the other quote unquote idols in our lives, things that we put ahead of. Uh, the health of ourselves, the health of our families, um, connection with God, you know, those are going to all be things that we venerate, um, you know, that are out of whack in our, um, in our lives. Yeah. So good work, Rebecca. You too. We'll see y'all next week. Take care. You're listening to a podcast recorded at White Rock United Methodist Church in the heart of East Dallas. For more information, you can find us at wrumc.org. And make sure you stay subscribed to this channel to stay up to date with all of our content.